Welcome to the Reiki Show, hosted by Bronwyn and Franz Diener of the International House of Reiki. Bronwyn and Franz teach Reiki around the globe and are the authors of the Reiki Sourcebook, The Japanese Art of Reiki, The Reiki Techniques Card Deck, and the soon-to-be-released A to Z of Reiki. The music you are listening to, Reiki Khan, is available at the International House of Reiki website, www.reiki.net.au. Hi, my name is Bronwyn. And I'm Franz. And today we have a very special guest with us, and her name is Phyllis Leigh Furumoto. Welcome, Phyllis. Thank you. Now, Phyllis is the granddaughter of Hawaii Takata, and Mrs. Takata brought the system of Reiki to the West from Japan in the late 1930s. Mrs. Takata was born in Hawaii to Japanese parents and returned to Japan as an adult where she studied Reiki with Hayashi Shijiro. Phyllis, your life appears to have revolved around your grandmother's legacy to the West, the system of Reiki, and today... We'd love to hear, and I'm sure everybody who's listening would love to hear more about Mrs. Takata and your relationship with her. Could you first just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I will be 58 this year, and when I was 30, I couldn't imagine uh, ever reaching 30 when I was um, 20. And when I uh, got to my 30th birthday, I couldn't imagine uh, being 60, but here I am. I'm almost 60, and (laughs) I've had an amazing gift from my grandmother. When I was 30, I started to uh, travel with her and teach with her, and then she died a couple of years later in 1980. It was at that point that I was recognized by most of the masters that Hawaii Takata initiated as her successor. And yeah. since then, my life has, of course, never been the same. Uh, I live in North Idaho in the United States. It's um, a little bit mountainous, but not too much. And um, I'm hoping to move to Wales next year. Wales as in the UK? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That'll be a big change. Yeah. Yes, it will be a big change. I'm, I would like to be closer to Europe. I feel like it's important to me right at this moment to uh, go back to Europe. I spent some time there um, in Germany in the beginning of my, in, the, in like the late 80s and early uh, 1990s, and I learned a lot from the uh, Europeans. And then I then I spent some time in Australia, and then I uh, came back to the States for the last 12 years or so, and now it's time for me to go on again. I was just wondering, what did you call your grandmother? Because she gets called Mrs. Takata. What did you call her? Grandmother. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, when I, when I was just becoming a student of hers in my, uh, early 30s, I didn't really understand really what was going on. 
so it was really easy for me just to have this relationship with her as my grandmother. And it was only, um, she died in 1980, in December, and a few years after that, I realized that she had become not just my grandmother, but my master. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know which, but so it is, um, I discovered this after her death. And so it's been a very interesting path for me to do this all sort of post- you know, after her death, because it, um, um, she's very much with me, and I find her teachings very much alive still, and at the same time, I feel like I lost my grandmother, and I gained a master in yeah. this process. Yeah. And now, I would, I call her Takata Sensei, uh-huh. because I recognize her as my teacher. And for me, that's a way that I can respect her. Um, Mrs. Takata, I don't know, doesn't quite do it for me anymore. So <laughs> this is my preference. I think that's a very uh, beautiful kind of journey, what you have taken with your grandmother. Yes. Yes. It's not been easy, but it's been uh, it's been a very beautiful one. And really... Um, yeah, I mean, there's a recognition on both sides of who I am and who she is and what we were together and um, the same passion that we have for this practice. There's lots of discussions today about, for example, what the word Reiki master might mean. Everyone who has written or spoken about Mrs. Takata said that she was a true master. She must have been a great role model for all her teachers to have. I know Barbara Brown said something about that she knew that Takata loved her or, or felt very strongly about her, but that she had that as a secret. It was something in her. She didn't hug her or anything like that. That was the way that Mrs. Takata was, but that it, it was also because she was a master and, and Barbara really felt that about her. Why do you think everyone felt so strongly this about your grandmother? What was it about her? Well... I think there were several factors, and and I don't know. Of course, I, I I don't know what it would have been like had she not been one way or the other. But these are the factors that I can imagine having effect. One is that she was she was from Hawaii, and yet her upbringing was quite. Hmm, I would say leaning more toward the traditional rather than toward. Uh, the upbringing that, for instance, say, um, young Japanese people have today. So the culture, for instance, um, in the time that she grew up was very non-demonstrative. I mean, they didn't hug and they didn't have a lot of physical connection with each other, but there was a depth to how they were with each other how people were with each other, parent and child and so on. And um, I feel like that was one thing that made her a kind of enigma for people um, who knew her, especially if they were Westerners and would be interested in physical, you know, demonstrations of affection or even verbal ones. And the second thing is that she... Uh, was taught by a man who was 
also very Japanese. And when they have this master-student relationship, very respectful and very deep, but at the same time, there is also a kind of formality, you know, about the relationship that she adopted in her classes. The third thing was that she really protected her own personal space, and I think that this was a personality thing, you know, that some people are very clear about their personal boundaries, how much they're willing to give to a student, how much they're willing to um, reveal about themselves. And she was a very, very private person, and I feel like she kept those personal boundaries very strictly. So those are the things that I can imagine influenced the way she was with people. Yes. As her granddaughter and going on then to teach, it must have been an awful lot for you to have to live up to. Well, I I don't think that was just me. I think it was everybody. (laughs) I mean, we all felt... I mean, you know, today it's so different. Like back then, it was just her. She was our role model. She was our master. And she was this person who had over 40 years of experience and thousands and thousands of treatments of experience. She She addressed Reiki, being very clear about the value of Reiki and the practice, I mean the practice, not the energy. And um, she could say to people, okay, you can come for treatment, but only if you commit to coming for the next three months every day. And they would say, well, I can't do that. And she would say, well, come back when you can. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. That's the kind of person that's going to get value out of a treatment. And, you know, she said, I'm not going to waste my time with people who kind of, huh, 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 and are so wishy-washy about their health and about what they want to change. You have to be committed, she would say. So that was what she demanded of her students and what she demanded of the people that she treated, and she had amazing results. One of Mrs. Takata's teacher students, Wanya Tuan, her daughter Christina wrote this. It was funny to see the adults jump when Takata said jump. I was used to adults telling me what to do. Here they were getting bossed around by a little Japanese lady. What she said was what went. Did she make you jump too? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, she she was very clear. This is the thing about her that, you know, the energy that she had and her confidence about Reiki was just very clear. She didn't need to change it. She didn't need to make excuses for it. She didn't need to beg people to come. She She didn't take it personally if people didn't want to have Reiki. That was up to them. She had something valuable to offer if they were smart enough to take advantage and she was there for them. As a young child, were you aware that that was what your grandmother did? Uh, no. And and I would, I remember, you know, when I was like 10 or something, treating her when she would come to visit. But I didn't know, it didn't have a name. It was like um, being taught how to sweep the floor or wash the dishes or 
you know, when grandmother came, I did this thing, and that was part of my sort of granddaughterly duties. So I didn't have any reason, I didn't have any explanation, I didn't have any name for it. From when Mrs. Takata brought Reiki to the West, so say 1938, from that time on, was she teaching in those early days or was she just doing the treatments? I don't know. I had a feeling from what I'd read that the teaching was something that evolved rather than something that she actually began with. Would that be correct? Well, yes, and I think yes and no. Yeah. The yes part, the yes part is, of course, she evolved as a student. Yeah. So when she came back from Hawaii, she was a second degree uh, student, and so she didn't, she couldn't teach. Only her master could. And when he came over in the late nineteen, in late nineteen thirty-seven, and then stayed on for six months into thirty-eight, she. Um, was trained then as a teach as a master, and she taught with uh, Shujiro Hayashi in Hawaii during that time. Then afterwards, she did teach, but the emphasis of her practice was on treatment, if that makes sense. And I feel like today, uh, a lot of times for masters, the emphasis is on teaching, mm. but teaching came as a direct result of the treatment. Not the other way around, you know what I mean? I do, and I, I could sort of see that in the things that have been written about her, that it always talks about the treatments, and I wondered if it wasn't that people would come for treatments and then they would see the benefit of it and then she would teach them how to, to use that and work with that. Yes, or often, you know, there would be a family member that was really ill and she would go for treatment and they would see that it would benefit their daughter or their mother or whoever and then she would initiate the family so that they could continue treating this person yeah. yeah talking about family members did she actually toward family members of your own family we are all initiated but um, we didn't have classes so you know in the sense of understanding what we have and being able to do the practice this is something that has come as we've grown into it, and um, it certainly was true for me. I've got another quote here. It's from Wanyutuan's book, Memories of Hawaii Takata, and it says, The impression I had of her was that she wasn't spaced out like everybody else seemed to be who was into healing and new age stuff. That's what I liked about her. She was businesslike. And another quote was, I found Takata's teaching style was very brisk and straightforward. At that time, in the 70s, the New Age movement was booming. Do you know if she actually included any of those sort of teachings into Reiki? I know she said that, according to John Harvey Gray, she taught a simple form of Reiki. Do you think she kept to that or did she include other things? What was your experience with that? Oh, she totally did not include anything else but Reiki. And she didn't need to, and she wouldn't have, because for her, most of the New Age things that we, I think, a lot of us take kind of as a matter of course for her had nothing to do with Reiki. I think so, too, what you said before <laughs> about 
you know, your grandmother being how she was brought up and with that kind of Japanese background, I can really see that, that, that she would actually more shy away from the New Age movement and, and really stick to what CF learned because that was a very traditional thing to do uh, in Japan. Well, yes, I think that's true, that it was very clear that a practice is a practice and there are boundaries with the practice. And if you wanted to, for instance, go to another practice, you would do that. For instance, she might have gone to somebody to get a shiatsu treatment, but she would never, and she respected people who were other practitioners, but she would never combine them because it wasn't appropriate. John Harvey Gray said uh, he's got some tapes of, of her teaching, and he said that she had also said that after 1938 she had gone back to Japan, I, I think a, a couple of times, I'm not sure on that, but at, at least on one of those occasions she had then met some people in Japan who had uh, also studied Reiki. Did she ever talk to you about that? No. When I uh, became her student, um, we didn't really have much time and we were always very busy in the present. So there wasn't um, much said about Japan, except that she was sad that she hadn't been able to go back and teach in Japan. Do you still have relatives in Japan? I would say for all intents and purposes, no. I mean, there might be like <clears throat> some very, very distant cousins or something, but my family, when they came to Hawaii, they didn't have the same number of children, and um, many of them died early because of the kind of life that they had. So, um, like, my both my grandfathers died when they were in their 30s. So our family, my family on both my mother's and my father's side are very small, and they all the relatives that I know and are, you know, related to me in the first or second generation are all in Hawaii or on the mainland. Another thing is Mrs. Takata's sister had a list of the uh, Reiki masters that, that Mrs. Takata had taught. Is she still alive today? No. And, and who has that list now? It's public knowledge, and I don't feel like my auntie had this list. My mother compiled the list after my grandmother died. So it's more like a, a public knowledge thing? It's been published in a book, and the book wasn't public knowledge, but it has become such because of the Internet. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not secret. I mean, you know, like if I had the list, I would read it, but I, I can't. A lot of time I could bring it up, but I don't need to. Yeah, no, that's fine. I just thought if there are different records, for example, we know that um, there are diaries of Mrs. Takata that mention you know that she that she was taught Reiki in in Japan, and it's it's nice to know that these records exist. Is is all I was thinking, and that it's um, uh-huh. it's good that these things get passed on and 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 kept safe. Yes, I agree. I don't know quite what to do with them. Actually, we're all <laughs> contemplating archival information, yeah. and we don't really have um, a place to put it at this point. Just going back to this whole thing of, of having a grandmother who has become so famous, how was it for you to 
have been the granddaughter of Mrs. Takata? Well, <laughs> before I was 30 and before I started um, traveling with her, I didn't know she was famous. You know, for me, she was just my grandmother who did this kind of strange thing called Reiki, and I knew this just, the, you know, when I was in my late 20s. And, you know, for me, it was a very local Hawaii thing. It wasn't something that was worldwide at the time. That came only years after her death. And so when I became her successor, you know, and there were these masters that she had initiated, we had in Hawaii in 1982 a meeting where most of the masters came to this meeting. And we kind of all sat around and, you know, told stories and reminisced about my grandmother. It was a memorial time for us with our master. And at that point, it was very clear for us that we had this legacy. But, you know, we had no idea that it would explode and cover the world, you know, that there would be millions of people practicing Reiki in 25 years. I mean, that was not something that we could ever imagine happening. We were trying to figure out if we were actually going to be able to teach after we taught the only few hundred people around us <laughs> that might be interested, and then probably we'd have to do something else. And, you know, this energy of Reiki and the way that it spread has been a surprise. So I don't know if that answered your question, but <laughs> but yeah. that was where we began. And um, as far as I, in, in my life, of course, this, uh, gift that she gave me in the sense of taking me on as her student and then the masters who initi who were initiated by her uh, recognizing me as her successor and then my life being committed to this path has, of course, totally uh, shaped, you know, the last 28 years of my life. So... What I would have been like otherwise, I have no idea, but I know that um, I'm very happy with where I am. It's been a lot of work. It's been great challenges. Uh, it's led me to many countries in the world, and I have uh, wonderful acquaintances, and I have very strong opposition, and in all of that, there is a richness to my life that... You know, I wouldn't have had otherwise. Is there a quote that you could perhaps leave us all with, if you can think of something that your grandmother had said to you that you think that perhaps was inspirational for you and you think it might be inspirational for all of us? Well, she used to, in her classes, she had many, many little short phrases like practice, practice, practice or let Reiki teach you. And one of the things that I find so fascinating about these little short sentences that seem a little bit on the edge of being in order, <laughs> you know, of, <laughs> okay, this is what you do or else, um, that there is so much depth to them. Like this 
thing that she said, let Reiki teach you, it wasn't about changing the form of the practice or allowing yourself to flow away from her teaching. It was do the teaching, see what happens, and make decisions then that are beneficial for you and the other person involved. And for me, one of the things that has happened in combination with the New Age movement is that the New Age movement, as far as I received um, in my uh, workings or or, um, contact with it here in the United States was, well, you know, this is about personal freedom. And I was totally into personal freedom. So, you know, it was like whatever anybody did was okay for me. And after about 10 years after her death, what I realized was we have personal freedom to go our own path and to be very clear about what's right for us. And it is important in that moment to allow other people their own path. So when she would say, let Reiki teach you, it didn't mean let Reiki teach you and then you teach everybody else how you want them to be. It's more like let Reiki teach you and let Reiki teach you and let Reiki teach you and let Reiki teach you so that each one of us is honored and respected in our own ways. And I find that to be um, a growing process inside of me. Um, I am I marvel at how many ways these little phrases can be applied in my life and in my teaching and how much it teaches me about the dignity of myself and to respect that also in the people that I teach and the other people that I meet in my everyday life. Thank you, Phyllis. That was a wonderful lesson. Thank you, Phyllis.